And good evening. Welcome to our Illinois Issues Forum series. We are talking solutions as we approach Illinois election 2018. This series is produced by NPR Illinois and supported by AARP. I'm Sean Crawford, NPR Illinois News Director. We're in Springfield at the Wyndham City Center. It's the first of our forums for this year. We're glad those of you here could attend. And also welcome to those listening online and on the air. By the time the voting begins, and especially the early voting later this year, we'll have been all over the state to hear how people feel about various issues. This forum is focused on fiscal problems in Illinois. We know the state has a huge backlog of bills. We've heard stories, things about uh, prisons being unable to afford basic necessities, concerns in higher education that is uh, pushing many students to continue their learning out of state, and also the state's crumbling infrastructure. Tonight, we want to hear from you, your thoughts on how to resolve some of these problems. And our distinguished panel will also be weighing in tonight, trying to answer some of those questions. Let me introduce our panel tonight. We have, seated closest to me, we have former Governor Jim Edgar. He served two terms as the 38th governor and is known for handling what was the state's largest budget deficit at the time. That seems like a long time ago now. Uh, governor Edgar, a Republican, ended his tenure with the largest budget surplus in the state's history. He was also Illinois Secretary of State a member of the Illinois General Assembly, and since his time in office, he served as a distinguished fellow at the Illinois Institute of Government and Public Affairs. Welcome, Governor. I want to start tonight, as I go along and introduce each of our panel, I'm going to ask them to weigh in on a question that I think is pertinent, considering the topic, and that is, what is the state of the state of Illinois? And Governor, I'm going to let you uh, go first before we move along. Well, let me... If I was asked that question last year, I think maybe I was on the panel over in Champaign, I thought it was terrible. Uh, I have to say it's better now than it was a year ago. Now, it's still terrible, <laughs> but it's, it's better. And one of the things I've learned, if at least you're moving in the right direction, that's some encouragement. Uh, I, I think that uh, I was almost shocked, and I don't get shocked too often what happens in Springfield, but the fact that we got a budget last year and it came from the rank and file up. And I really think programs like this, and I think this program last year, traveling the state, calling attention to the issues facing state government, uh, I think that helped uh, because those rank and file legislators were hearing from their constituents. Uh, people were really upset because they were hurting. Uh, not having a budget for two years was the worst thing I have ever seen in my 50 years. I thought it was worse than the Bogorovich year by far. Uh, and that was bad. So, uh, but we saw legislators rank and file convince their leaders we need to do a budget. They did it and to me, and I don't want to sound partisan here, but I thought the 10 Republicans who crossed party lines, uh, went against their caucus and had the wrath of their governor on them, uh, were definitely profiles in courage. And I, I thought that was encouraging to see that as they crossed with the Democrats to make a budget possible. So uh, I think the state, the state is better today, but that was a budget this last year. I am hopeful we'll get a budget this year and I'm hopeful the governor will be part of that process because you get a much better budget and it works much better if the governor has signed on. Uh, so uh, while we're not out of the woods by a, a long way, uh, I feel better this year than I did last year about the state of the state. 
Let me skip down to the end of the table. Uh, we have uh, Donnie Trotter with us. He served for 25 years in the Illinois Senate before that, a couple of terms in the Illinois House. He was a Democrat and uh, represented the Chicago area. He left the General Assembly with a long track record of legislative accomplishments, and he was also one of the key budget negotiators, which is known under the Capitol Dome as the Budgeteers. And we welcome him, former Senator Trotter. But let me ask you that same question, and that is the state of the state of Illinois today. Let me begin by uh, thanking the governor for his candor of how he feels about our budget. <laughs> it certainly is terrible. But uh, because we passed last year's budget, because we did find the dollars and find the, the, the wherewithal, to do the right thing for the state of Illinois. I think we made some modest gains last year. Our, our biggest challenge is, <clears throat> excuse me, is sustaining those gains as we go forward. Uh, so without question, we do need a budget this year. We need a budget every year. It is constitutionally um, written that in fact that the state of Illinois must come up with a balanced budget uh, for the state of Illinois. Uh, one, one thing I have found uh, the older I get is the older I want to get. Um, but, but with that, it's also the reality that it's the quality of life that you have as you get older. Uh, but we also have, as we age, a responsibility to ensure that we leave something for the next generation. Um, that uh, is, is, is a very precarious situation at this point in time, because though we made those modest gains, we made a measurable gain, uh, we still have not done enough. We have, need, we have to put more dollars into higher education. Uh, we have to ensure that our children uh, have the, the tools that they need to be competitive in this global society, not just here in Illinois, not just in the Midwest, but in this global society. So that's going to be one of the biggest challenges this year, uh, trying to ensure that that, that is there. Uh, K to 12, of course. And, and let me go backwards. I mean, there's, there's something that we all agree on, Democrat and Republican. Uh, we all want affordable... Um, quality, accessible health care. We all want it, Democrat or Republican. We all want a good school system for our children, all of us, Democrat or Republican, and we certainly uh, all need and, and want public safety. Um, where we get caught up in the weeds is, is just that. We get caught up in, in, in political rhetoric. Uh, we, we get caught up in, in hyperbole. And as a consequence of those two things, things don't get done. So we have to get past the, the rhetoric and the hyperbole uh, and concentrate on what we need to do and that is to ensure that this is a strong, thriving state, uh, not only in, in our years, but in the years to come. Okay, thank you. Next up, we have Professor Beverly Bunch. She's with the University of Illinois Springfield. She has a PhD and is part of the Department of Public Administration. She's also worked with the Government Finance Officers Association, the City of San Antonio, Texas Budget Office, and the Texas Bond Review Board. She's been published many times and is also leading a team of researchers as part of a national state budget project administered by the Volcker Alliance. Professor Bunch, you've heard what some of the others have had to say here, and as someone who's studied other states and their financial approaches, how bad off are we in Illinois? Pretty bad. <laughs> 
I have had the honor to work with the Volcker Alliance. How many of you remember Paul Volcker? He was Federal Reserve Chair under President Reagan and Carter. He's 90 now, still going strong and dedicated to public service and leading a nationwide study. Universities across the nation are identifying budget practices and grading the states. And not surprisingly, but very sad, Illinois has done poorly getting a D in many of the rating categories. We've been borrowing to pay for our operating cost. We haven't been putting pension funding aside to pay future liabilities. We're second worst in the country, only having funded 40% of what we should have. We are not putting money away for retirees' health insurance, which affects lots of people in here if you were previously public employees. And we don't have reserve funds. And reserve funds, if you head into a recession like we were in during the Great Recession, can play a key role in helping sustain a state during downturns. And so we need to do better. Before we move on to our last panelist here, I did want to mention, as we said, we wanted to hear from you tonight, your questions, and we'd like for you to step up to the microphone if we call your name uh, to uh, maybe uh, possibly ask your question in person here. Kevin Ramey, if you could step up to the mic while we uh, introduce Brian here sitting at the table. Brian Mackey is uh, covers state government and politics for NPR Illinois, works in our State House Bureau. His reports can be heard on public radio stations throughout Illinois and at times throughout the country on National Public Radio. He's won several honors, including an Edward R. Murrow Award for coverage of criminal justice issues, and Brian has covered three different administrations and is also a panelist on the NPR Illinois program State Week. Brian, you have an up-close view on a daily basis of what's going on at the Capitol and state government. Give us your viewpoint. Yeah, I think uh, I'm going to answer this with a story. It's a story that came out this week. It was in the Journal Star newspaper in Peoria. And uh, here's the first sentence. A Peoria murder trial was delayed this week after the Illinois Department of Corrections said it was short of gas money. So that's where we are in the state of Illinois right now. The Department of Corrections um, has asked the legislature for about $400 million because it did a lot of spending during the impasse that has never been authorized. Um, and so there was a trial set to begin and the state apparently uh, was, quote, having difficulties with making fuel purchases at the current time. And so they had to delay the trial. And I think that about says everything you need to know. I mean, yes, it's better. It's certainly better that we have a budget than that we don't have one, but there, we are definitely not out of the woods yet. Um, there are a lot of uh, looming spending pressures that keep getting piled on. There was just a story today about another 300 million uh, that could have to be payments that could have to be speeded up to long-term care providers. Uh, there are AFSCME union members who are owed uh, pay raises dating back half a decade. Um, the governor has proposed balancing the budget with a number of things that the legislature does not seem enthusiastic about, uh, to say the least. So we've got a ways to go. Okay. Thank you. And we'll hear more from our panel, and they'll be responding to your questions as well. We do have somebody here who uh, has one of our first questions of the night, and go right ahead. Uh, they're pretty much all touching on the question I asked. I just, where is the state's budget at? Are we, uh, where are we headed in the next, say, one year, three years, five years? Has there any proposals come out to look that far ahead. Whoever wants to take that. Well, we're lucky to get a proposal for one year. To be very truthful, I mean, uh, when I was governor, 
because I came in, we were in a budget mess. To me, the budget was the most important issue. I mean, I, there were other things I wanted to do, but I put those off to make sure I got a budget because that's crucial. But we did it somewhat one year at a time. Now, we did look down the road. I mean, we knew Medicaid cost and things like that we were projecting out. But uh, most of the attention is on the next 12 months. And uh, getting that right is very difficult. A budget process, I don't, Senator Trotter might have a different take on this. To me, it's not a science, it's an art. And uh, it's, it's just, it's hard, like right now they're arguing over revenue estimates. Uh, that's nothing new. We've always argued over revenue estimates. That probably takes up 60% of the budget fight is trying to agree on how much money you got. And that's, that's there's no, definite thing. I mean, whatever number they come up with, it's it's somewhat of a guesstimate, uh, and it can change. Uh, but, uh, you know, the uh, the budget process, I, I don't think, unfortunately, years ago, Governor Ogilvie in the Bureau of the Budget did put a, a unit in to do long-range planning. And uh, when he left, that kind of disappeared, and I really don't think we've had much of that since. I have to tell you, when I was governor, especially those first four years, I was just trying to figure out how to make it to the next day, uh, many, many days. Uh, and uh, I, I don't think we're gonna have the luxury in the near future of having a lot of long-range planning. Now, one thing I would suggest, whoever is elected governor in November, that he, or it's gonna be a he for sure now, uh, I think it's for sure, uh, is that he gets a lot of smart people in his state, most of them out of state government, uh, to come together and to come up with some long range proposals and thinking, uh, and actually pay attention to them, uh, and then implement those programs as we go along. But I, I don't think between now and the election, we're gonna have any long range planning going on. Uh, if we can just get a budget to get us through the next 12 months, I think that'd be a miracle and I, very important. Unfortunately, I don't think we're gonna solve the pension problems, uh, our debt problem, all that this year. I just hope we can get a budget agreed to that get us past the election and then the next, whoever is the governor, uh, will then have to come back to the General Assembly. And it has to start with the governor, I think, uh, and uh, you know, have some concrete long-term solutions to these problems. And one last thing, let me just add on long-term solutions. There are no silver bullets to these problems. There isn't gonna be a one-year solution. Uh, and whatever the solutions are gonna be, they're gonna be very unpleasant to everybody if they're really gonna be solutions. They're gonna be more taxes, they're gonna be cut in programs. And probably the hardest thing, it's gonna, we're gonna have to stay on that diet for many years. You know, it took us 20 years to get into this hole, and it's gonna take us a lot of years to get out of it, but we need to start. And I really, I, I wish we were gonna start this year, uh, but I think the best we can hope for is get a budget so we don't get any deeper. But then, after the election, with an, a governor in for four years and a, a general assembly in for two or four years, we can begin to, to come up with those long-range solutions.
Okay, and Lynn Rubin, we also have a question from you, if you could make your way up uh, to the microphone. While we're waiting, though, uh, Senator Trotter, uh, your name was mentioned in yep. debate, I believe, so <laughs> you'd like to weigh in on that as well? Yeah, no, I, I wholly agree with the governor. The thing is, is we are still in a very precarious situation here in the state of Illinois, uh, and it's, but what happened last year is that there was the renewed empowerment of the General Assembly, as the governor uh, mentioned in the first place. We're equal partners with the governor. You know, there's the legislative, the um, executive branch, and the judicial branch. And, and we've, we've came out last year as a body uh, and exhibited that power and that force that we have. And I see that continuing this year as well. So I, I have high hopes, even with a change in governors or, or not, uh, that, that the power, the, the empowerment of the General Assembly is going to be there to ensure that we stay on that path of, of going forward. And before we move on to the next question, uh, Professor Bunch, just the idea of long-range planning, is that something other states do a lot? That is one of the criteria the Volcker Alliance looked at, multi-year forecasting of revenues and expenditures is important and is done by a number of states. And then also once the budget year is started, if changes are made, then they also look what is the impact on out years. All right, let's go to our next question. My question has to do with uh, Andy, Senator Andy Menard's recent discussion with the governor related to the changes in the budget for K-12 schools and how wonderful it all was and now he wants to change the formula for teacher, existing teacher pay pensions and in essence give some of the money back. Can somebody explain that whole situation to me? I, I'm not clear on it. Whoever wants to yeah. talk about that. So uh, the, the governor proposed uh, something that uh, I think Speaker Madigan once championed. It's known as the cost shift. This was in his budget proposal. Uh, and the idea is, is that currently um, the state pays uh, the employer's share of pensions for people in the teacher's retirement system, the sh uh, now the Chicago teacher's retirement system, as well as the state university retirement system, which full disclosure, as an employee of the University of Illinois Springfield, I'm a member of. Um, so the governor is proposing that uh, the local employers should have to pay that share. So that would be school districts throughout the state, state universities. Uh, and I think the figure that he put forth is that would uh, add up to about $526 million in savings for the state. Now, some people say, well, that's just going to make property taxes have to go up by $526 million in tuition, if you count, you know, for the universities. Uh, the governor has talked about, though, uh, giving what he calls flexibility to local governments. Um, that has not been an idea that's been popular with Democrats because they view that, you know, an another way to say that is taking things out of collective bargaining. So teachers wouldn't be able to necessarily negotiate for all the pay and benefits that they are able to now. Um, so it's been pretty much of a non-starter among a lot of legislators, both Democrats and uh, Republicans. Um, and I, a little bit of the back and forth this week was that uh, Senator Menard was complaining that the governor had not really even introduced these ideas in the form of legislation. Again, just part of this ongoing uh, battle, as Governor Edgar mentioned about, you know, they're fighting over revenue estimates. Uh, ultimately, you know, this, daily back and forth isn't going to much matter if they can come to an, an agreement on the big picture things by the uh, start of the next fiscal year. 
And we're talking pensions, and we do have another question. Christopher Schmidt, if you could make your way on up to the microphone. I think your question had to do with pensions, so we'll, we'll stay with you. Yeah, as you're all aware, the pensions are protected in the Illinois Constitution right now. And if it were changed tomorrow, which we all know it wouldn't be, how would we, even if that were to take, take place, how would we still honor the um, obligation that we have to the employees in the system that have paid into that and we've made a promise to pay them that pension, even if we change the Constitution so that the pensions wouldn't be protected? Um, I, I'll jump in as a, as a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer. Um, <laughs> I don't know if anyone else on the panel is. A very smart lawyer I know, though, uh, who has looked at this pension issue for many years, says that even if you change the Illinois Constitution, uh, there's a really good chance that it, you could not actually apply that retroactively. Mm -hmm. So the protection is there. It's a contract. And under federal contract law, uh, the thinking is you wouldn't just be able to undo all the benefits that people have earned. We've already... Uh, change pensions for people hired since 2011 or so uh, so that they're a lot less generous than they are for for people in the past but um, you know there are efforts there's this consideration model out there that Senate President Cullerton has supported and the, the governor has uh, sort of taken that up uh, as, as, a, as an idea uh, that you know uh, Intelligent people can disagree about whether the courts would even approve that. Uh, but the thinking is, is that even if you change the Constitution, it would not affect the current liabilities. And of course, the pension debt is what everybody's concerned about. When Governor Edgar, when you were in office, you were able to push through a plan, it was a 50-year plan, if I remember correctly, mm -hmm. that would have tried to get a handle on pensions. Looking back on that, what went wrong there? Well, it actually, when I left office, it was working. We were 74% funded in our pensions in the state at that time. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we had early retirement. Uh, we had pension payment holidays. Uh, they borrowed money. All of it didn't go to the pension, but it's all charged to the pensions, uh, and that's still to be paid back. So, the, you know, they got off course. Also, to be truthful, the stock market went down, and you know, some of that money invested in the stock market, and that hurt. Now we haven't had any inflation, and a lot of it's invested in kind of fixed incomes, and that's that's been terrible. Uh, but the 3% that they thought was better than a cost of living when they put it in before I was governor was the last year under Thompson, they thought that was better because inflation was all his cost of living was always far above 3%. Well, it turned out to be wrong. Uh, Again, I, I'll go back to it. I think that you need to put a pension plan in place, and it's going to take several years to reach a goal. I'm, I'm one, and I'm not an accountant. I'm not, only, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a <laughs> CPA, and they fuss with me on this. I don't think we have to have 100% funding. I don't think everybody's going to retire at the same time. Uh, we were shooting for 80%, I believe. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think that if we could get to 80%, if we had, uh, you know, the the funding in place, I think we would be in pretty good shape. I'll point out, too, one of the things that we measure our success on fiscal issues is our bond rating. Now, our bond rating is pretty poor right now. In fact, if they hadn't had a budget last year, we'd have been junk bond, which never has happened to a state. That's, again, why it was important. They did what they did last year. But after we passed the pension plan back in uh, 1994, uh, which was a bipartisan effort, 
in an election year, which always amazed me that the Democrats and we could get together on that plan, uh, we got two bond rating increases in Illinois. Now, we did some other things, too. We were paying our bills on time, and, you know, we'd cut budgets, and, I mean, we were living within our means. But, again, I think that was the right approach. But as we said back then, this isn't chiseled in stone. You know, you know, you need to take a look at this probably every five years. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't really take a look at it. Uh, and then they, they tried the pension holidays and they did the early retirement and things. Uh, and, and one of the things, let me just say about state government in general, whether it's school aid formula, whether it's pension plans, whether it's property tax caps that I put in when I was first governor, nothing lasts forever. Uh, you need to continue to go back and review those programs because things change. And that was one of the mistakes we, I think we did on the pensions. We didn't go back sooner and take a look and see, can we make some changes? And, and it just kind of kept drifting and getting worse and worse. And then, as I said, we did a holiday and we did some other things that really compounded the problems. And uh, it's, it's going to be an extremely difficult thing to solve. Uh, and I think it's going to take 40, 50 years. But I, I think if we put a plan in place and we demonstrate to the financial community, we are going to stick with it then I think that will help improve our credit ratings and uh, and all. But we've got some other issues besides just the pension we have. We've got what, at least, even the governor admits we have $7.7 .7 billion uh, in unpaid bills. Uh, and we have a, a need for infrastructure revision in this state. So there's a lot of other things that are going to be competing for those limited dollars. Okay. And I want to continue on here. Uh, Professor Bunch, why don't you weigh in on that? Yeah, this I think one? the governor's right. Having a plan and sticking to it is important. Where Illinois' plan differs from a lot of state plans, it was a 50-year plan. When we review plans, we see more 20 to 30-year plans, and that's the period to try to make up for the underfunding. And I read in the governor's budget summary today that we're still not contributing enough on an annual basis to make progress towards paying off the unfunded part, that all the way through 2029, the unfunded portion is growing. So I agree it's important to have a plan, but I also think his point's well taken that we need to revisit that plan from time to time. Senator Trotter. Um, and, and I agree with the uh, previous speakers. You know, one of the things when you when you look at these bonding agencies, these rating agencies, Standards and Poor's, Moody's, um, uh, our downgrade wasn't solely because we were a derelict state. It's uh, what they had, had actually mentioned in their report is that we just refused to do anything. So we have to do something to get uh, to actually to get our bond rating to go up, and we did that when we passed the budget this year. Can somebody talk about the possibility of refinancing the pension debt? I've heard that before. Is that, a, is that viable? <laughs> is Ralph Martiri here? Uh, <laughs> this is something that's been uh, talked about, and uh, my colleague Charlie Wheeler on, on State Week has talked about this a lot. Uh, you know, the idea is you just change the, you know, refinance it like you would your mortgage, right? You can uh, uh, say, we're going to extend it even further. Uh, now, I think that people like at the Volcker Alliance would raise some red flags about taking our 50-year ramp and making it a 75-year ramp or whatever that thinking would do. Um, and, you know, there would be people who say you're just kicking the can down the road to use one of the most uh, 
often heard cliches we hear about state government. Um, I wanted to circle back to one point, though, that, that the people, you know, what we hear Governor Edgar talked about, infrastructure needs and, and other spending pressures that we have, you know, the people who argue for doing something different with our pension payments and trying to bring those costs down, um, they're not not necessarily just motivated by, you know, a dislike of state employee unions or they think state workers are overpaid. There is a liberal argument for this too. And actually State Senator Daniel Biss made it to me years ago before he decided to run for governor and renounced his previous position. Um, but, you know, the idea is it's a generational transfer of wealth. You have uh, people who are retiring, enjoying these, you know, 3% compounded automatic annuity increases now, which, uh, you know, people say it's not really a cost of living adjustment because it just goes up and up, whatever happens to the cost of living. Um, and not only are they enjoying that now, but they had lower taxes than were necessary 20 years ago. They didn't pay as much as would have been necessary to meet those payments and everything else that the state was doing. Um, and so now you're asking people who are younger to not only pay for the current operations of state government, but to make up the shortfalls for what should have been done in the past. And is that uh, a moral tax structure, a just tax structure? Um, th those are some of the arguments you hear in favor of doing something different. And uh, I think Senator Trotter, you'd wanted to weigh in on that earlier. No, I'm not good. Okay, <laughs> we'll let you off the hook there. Uh, let me uh, also call Josh Perkins. Uh, I know he had a couple of questions. If he wants to step up to the microphone, that'd be great. And uh, again, I think the thing with pensions, keep in mind something that's going on there with the amount the state is spending on pensions. And as that debt continues to go up, that is siphoning money away from other needs and services in the state of Illinois. So getting a handle on that is important. Uh, Josh, go ahead. I appreciate it. Uh, I just want to say thank you guys for uh, putting this on. It's uh, been very informative so far. But um, one of the questions I had was, uh, um, I think the governor touched on this. Uh, it, it seems to me that the only real viable solution to a lot of these problems, there's no silver bullet, like you said. It's going to be um, coming at things from both sides. It's going to be increasing revenues. It's going to be cutting expenses. And it's going to be for a prolonged period of time. Is there any ideas that you guys have heard or with your experience that isn't getting floated around or that we're not hearing much about that maybe would help bridge some of these gaps? Anyone got any ideas, right? <laughs> no, so you guys are not, not ideas, just sort of to reinforce what you said. The thing is, Illinois is, is not in a good position. I mean, uh, but we are seriously, we're, we're an aging state. Uh, people are moving out of our state. Uh, we, so we are going to have to reinvent ourselves uh, in, in a way and in, in how to make do with the new, new, new reality that, that's coming forward. And, and there's nothing on the table that I know of at this particular time that actually addresses that. But we have to, one, start accepting that that's uh, the new um, future for us here in the state of Illinois. Well, I will throw one idea that has been floated that is legalizing marijuana, recreational <laughs> marijuana. A lot of people think that well, would bring in a lot of tax revenue. Well, no, that's, that's a revenue source. I mean, there's, there's ideas out there for, for new revenue sources. Uh, but again, it goes back to that is not the silver bullet. Uh, that is not going to really take us back to the good old days of Illinois being in the forefront of being a, a strong manufacturing state. That's not happening anymore. The, uh, I remember, I, I'm old enough to remember 
when the lottery was passed and everybody oh that's going to solve education well that right. wouldn't even pass for education it was actually passed for rta i was there when the deal was made and that's why the votes were put on by the mayor among some democrats who never voted for the lottery but even if they had there's not enough money if the lottery doubled it wouldn't come close mm -hmm. to taking care of our education needs uh, so but there are other uh, the marijuana has some other issues I mean we got gaming there's a whole a lot of issues out there that I think they'll have to consider trying to come up with additional revenues but uh, again there's no one thing I don't even think you can raise the income tax I don't even think the idea of a graduated income tax would solve this problem. Uh, I mean, it's 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 something that's going to take time, and it's going to be uh, there's going to have to be a lot of forums like this arguing about what works and what doesn't work, and what are your priorities. And uh, but one of the things that's going to be important in it, on this process is, you know, we Republicans might have one point of view, Democrats might have another point of view, downstaters might have a point. Of, we're going to have to come together and compromise, uh, and. You know, we're all going to have to give a little bit. We're going to have to accept maybe points of view that we don't ever thought we'd accept. Uh, and because this is a very diverse state, and let me just say, this is a great state. I've said many times, this is not Puerto Rico, folks. This is Illinois. We're a rich state. We just have had leadership that I think have, has kind of made some mistakes. And I think with strong leadership, we can get this state back on track. Uh, and I think that we can regain our prominence in this 50-state nation. But uh, again, it's, it's going to take compromise. And that's just hasn't been in fashion, not only here, but in Washington, D.C. in the last few years. And we've got to get back to that. That's I agree, Donnie, we never can go back to the good old days. Mm -hmm. But I would like us to go back to when we used to sit down, and we did at the end of the that's session. Good. You know, everybody knew they were going to have to give a little bit. Uh, and uh, that, I think, is, is going to be very important if we're going to solve these many problems we face. Uh, Josh, did you have another question as well? Yeah, it actually pertained to, uh, to taxes. Uh, you know, no, nobody loves taxes. Everybody hates taxes. But um, I'm curious, um, what um, do folks uh, today here in Illinois pay in taxes versus maybe some of the other states? Um, and then also maybe versus what we used to pay, say, 50 years ago in Illinois? I think Professor Bunch might be able to answer that. She's looking for some I was notes. looking at my notes, yeah. Well, she's looking. Let me also ask if Tom Bartels can step to the mic. I think he's got a I'll, I'll tell you, back, back when about. I was governor, uh, the Civic Federation did a study, and we were in the lower fourth. Now, we only had a 3% income tax. Uh, we'd had a 25 and I had approved a, a half percent permanent. Uh, in, but we were in the lower fourth. Now they say we're much higher. I, we've definitely had a pretty hefty increase in the state income tax compared to where we were. But I think still in state income tax, I don't think we're in the higher quarter. I don't know what we might be in the ha higher half now. Uh, but we are an industrial state. Uh, industrial states usually take more money to run. There's more social issues and things, and there's also more money coming in. Uh, but, uh, you know, I. You hear people say, well, gee, we're one of the highest taxing state. I don't understand. Now, if you live in Chicago, you pay a high tax because their sales tax is way out of sight and, uh, you know, and, and cigarette and a lot of, so there's a lot of taxes there. But statewide taxes, I still don't think we're at the top. Now, I also learned as governor, when I used to go around and try to explain this to people when I was trying to raise a tax, they don't care what the other states pay. 
They know what they paid, and they don't want to pay any more. Uh, and they also don't believe you're really going to cut their taxes either. I, I learned that. Actually, it helped me get elected the first time because the other guy claimed he was going to do that, and they didn't believe him. Uh, so people are, they know what they pay, and they don't want to pay any more. Uh, and they're very suspicious even when you say you're going to cut their taxes. So it, it's a hard sell. But I think people also are realistic and know that you can't spend more if you don't raise revenue. I mean, it, people, when it comes down to it, they're pretty smart. Now, they're never going to say they like a tax. And they're never going to poll well. Trust me. I know. I, I was on both sides of that issue as governor. And, uh, but I think deep down they know that if they're going to get to services, they're going to have to pay for it. Now, their main question is they want to make sure it's fair. Now, the property tax is the one where you'll get the biggest argument in this state. Uh, and, you know, I think particularly in the suburbs, not Cook County suburbs, but in the Collar counties, uh, they, they've got a pretty hefty property tax. I mean, people down here complain about it. If you're in DuPage County, you'd really complain about it. Uh, so there are, it, it varies from tax to tax, but overall, I still don't think Illinois, I don't think we're in the top quarter. Now, I might be wrong. And I, I, the Civic Federation has some new studies, and they got us a lot higher than I thought we'd be. But uh, now that I've given you enough time to find I, the answer. I didn't actually find okay. the right card. Okay. But I think property okay. tax is a perception that that's very high. And it's partially because the state is among the lowest in terms of percent funding for schools. And so if the state's not going to come in in a big way, then local school districts are, and their tax is the property tax. So I always cringe a little when I hear they're going to freeze the local property tax. Um, because that's really going to hurt our schools unless the state's going to come in and, and help the schools. And right now, it's, it's not clear. We see some signs with the most recent legislation improvements that they are willing to, but then we see the shifting of pensions, and it's not clear. Yeah, so I think we need to think we're all in this together. It's not the schools versus the state. We're partners. Back, one of the things I tried as governor was the shift to take the pressure off the property tax and raise the income tax to fund schools. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had calculated this for years and where I thought it would play well, and I thought where it would really play well is in suburbia, because they pay the highest property taxes. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was where my most opposition was. <laughs> because one, they didn't really believe we are going to cut their property taxes and just raise their income tax, and they pay more income tax than the rest of the state. Mm -hmm. But they also didn't want to lose control of their schools. And they were convinced, and they were probably right, that if we were going to give them more money, we were probably going to send on a few more strings. And suburban schools, I mean, a lot of people have moved to the suburbs because of the schools. And they didn't want to be brought down to the rest of the state level. And they also didn't want Springfield or anybody else telling them how to run the schools. So again, people complain about the property taxes, but when we actually try to do something, the people who paid the most property tax and complained the most were the most opposed. So it, it is not as easy as you might think to, to try to help people. Because <laughs> uh, they don't view it as a help. Let yeah. me let our rest of our panel, if they want to. I just on. wanted to jump in on something Governor Edgar said a couple minutes ago about the taxes not polling well. One of my favorite polls from recent years, the Paul Simon Public Policy Institute at Southern Illinois University, Carbondale, does pretty regular polling at least once a year. And during the height of the budget impasse, they did a poll about, you know, should we raise taxes to balance the budget? No, no, that's definitely not popular. Uh, should we eliminate, you know, should we do cuts? Yeah, that, that was more 
more popular. Um, and there, there was some surprising support for doing both cuts and, and increasing taxes. But then they decided to ask, okay, which of these state government functions should we cut? Higher education? No, no, don't cut that one. What about public safety, prisons and state police? No, 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 we can't cut that. Okay, education funding, should we cut that? No, and literally every area they asked about was majority support to not cut. So people want to have their cake and eat it too. Well, there's one area they wanted to cut, waste in government. <laughs> and that's kind of like the lottery. If you can ever get agreement what the waste is, it's still not going to solve the problem. But that's, that is one thing they would agree on. You cut out the waste and you ought to be able to take care of your problems. Senator Trotter, you want to? No. Um, um, I can probably be the person up here that you say that I have no problems with taxes, just uh, for the very fact of what Brian just said. That pays for our quality of life that we have. And by, if we do not pay taxes, then, of course, what we hold near and dear, uh, we won't have. Uh, but it needs to be fair. And, and how you pay taxes. So I'm, I'm in agreement that we do need a graduated income tax. I believe that those that can afford to pay more should. Uh, the flat tax hasn't worked. Uh, we are not the highest tax not in, this, in the country, and certainly not the highest tax in this region. Um, and as I mentioned also, uh, people are, are aging and they are moving out of the state, uh, but it's not necessarily because of the taxes. Let's keep uh, going with the questions here. Uh, Tom Bartels. Hello. Um, I'm from Springfield, and um, I guess the thought occurred to me as I was listening to your initial presentations that um, if this were a private corporation, we would probably be looking at bankruptcy. And it doesn't seem like I've heard that uh, there's some really positive direction happening. So I guess my question is, and I'm not sure about the legality of it, is, is it possible that the state could actually fall into bankruptcy? No. I mean, not under current <laughs> law. And I think that's what Governor Edgar, when he said we're not Puerto Rico, uh, that wasn't a, a random comparison, right? Puerto Rico had special legislation passed by Congress that restructured their debt. So it would take an act of Congress. And even then, I'm not sure about the, the constitutional state-federal separation. Yeah. Bankruptcy is not really an option. I mean, not unless there was some What One of the things different than a change. private company, I mean, they're asset, they don't have any assets. Illinois has a lot of assets. I mean, again, this is a wealthy state. We just haven't had really good leadership here recently, and it has caused the problem. But I, again, that's why I think uh, we get our act together governmentally we can pull out of this because we have the resources here in this state. Uh, and a business that goes bankrupt, usually they don't, they don't have anything left in the bank. I mean, they don't have any assets. They, they're sold off all their, their furnishings and everything. We, we've got a lot in this state. So uh, I, I just don't think, even if that was viable, I don't think that's something that we ought to even contemplate because I don't, I don't think we need to do that. And we were headed in a better direction until the budget fights began a couple years ago. I mean, the backlog of bills was heading downward. Uh, the state under Governor Quinn was meeting its required pension payments. Now, probably not enough, uh, you know, but it was meeting the legal requirements of the ramp. Uh, so things were headed in a better direction until uh, the self-inflicted disaster of the last few years. And we had two things. We, we didn't have a budget but we were spending money at a higher level than our revenues were coming in. 
because the courts made some unbelievable court decisions saying you can pay state workers without a legislation, which is, I still blows my mind they did that. But a lot of other things. And then uh, the income tax went down. I mean, you know, not only we were spending more, our, our revenues are going down. I had some people say, well, I think it's great we don't have a budget. By gosh, we'll save money. I said, no, it's, it's costing us a lot more money than if we had a budget. Uh, so again, it goes back to why last year, not only we got a budget, they also bit the bullet and they, they raised the tax back up almost to where it was to, to bring in additional revenues that help us try to, to deal with this. But you're right. I mean, at the end of the Quinn administration, uh, things were better, much better than they had been earlier under Bogorovich and they were much better than they got to be in the next two or three years. When you look at the resources of the state, and again, I'm, I do live in Chicago, but I'm from Cairo, Illinois, so I, I'm, so I know from top to the bottom. Uh, but in Chicago, Illinois, uh, uh, in this country, uh, we have one of the most educated communities um, in, in this country. 38% uh, of the people who live in Chicago uh, have a college education. Uh, we have the, a, a new tech market that is now one of the best in the country, and, and thanks for, for some of the leadership that, that has, that's still there uh, with the mayor and, and other folks. Uh, and then we still always had the double thing, though we do not have the same manufacturing base, uh, we still have agriculture. Uh, and we are still doing well as far as our, our, our exports to other countries. So unless the federal tariffs hit us bad. I mean, mm -hmm. we, we've always had that double-barreled shotgun and, and which could help sustain us here in this state. So yes, we just have to use our resources and use them smartly. And I'll let you weigh back in, but let me uh, ask John, I believe it's Meyer uh, of Springfield, if he could step to the microphone. And uh, Professor Bunch, I don't know if you were wanting to weigh in there. Oh, I was just going to say, I agree that states constitutionally can't declare bankruptcy, but one of the bigger fears is that people will quit lending us money. And indeed, if we had dropped to junk status, if we hadn't had a budget, then we might have had a problem. But the state of Illinois issued $500 million in bonds last week, and there were people there willing to lend us money, a little higher interest rates than we would prefer. But I think that's the, one of the risks, or if vendors would quit doing business because we don't pay our bills. You mentioned the borrowing money, and I think that's something maybe people don't quite understand. Is yeah. There'll be people saying, why, why should we borrow money? We're already in debt. Can you explain why that's... There's different reasons you borrow money, and most recently we were borrowing money for capital investment, and that can be prudent. We need good infrastructure and good roads, good systems, and we borrow just like you'd borrow for a house or borrow for education. That's an investment. But when you start borrowing to meet your operating costs, such as our $6 billion to pay off our unpaid bills, or you borrow to make pension contributions, that's not good. That's like borrowing to pay for your food or your rent next month. Last month. Last month. Yeah. <laughs> Last month. But it, but it wasn't directly. When you talk about borrowing for the bills, last year our, our unpaid liability was up to almost $13 billion. Uh, we borrowed $6 billion to pay down that debt, not because it was the, the best idea, but we were paying a, 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 some, a heck of an interest rate. And, and it's just like if you have a Sears card, you're paying 23%. You want to go ahead and get another card and change that interest rate. We brought the interest rate after borrowing or, or bonding those dollars uh, from, from, in some cases, 12%, 9%, down to 4%. And that makes sense. So, so 
yes, we borrowed, and people said you borrowed to, to pay down your debt. No, we essentially just uh, restructured that to get a lower interest rate uh, when it, the time was right. And we had buyers to do that. John, you had a question. It appears that we're really hamstrung under our present constitution, particularly in terms of how pensions have been structured and our uh, legal obligations to pay them, as well as the flat income tax. What are the chances that there would be a constitutional convention to remedy these problems, and specifically which problems? Now, that has to be done by referendum. Is, is that, that correct? So, have a contract they to call the convention. Right. And you, every 20 years, the Constitution says that the voters, it's put on the ballot to call a constitutional convention. And I'm trying to think, Quinn and I always fought over this. I was always against it, and he was always for it. Mm -hmm. And I think I told him, I'm too old the next time you're, it's on your own. But it seemed like it was 10 years when Obama was elected. It was the year Obama was elected. It was the last time we had it. So uh, you'll have an opportunity to call a constitutional convention. Now, let me, and I, I agree with the comments made earlier that even if you change the Constitution, that's not going to solve the pension issue. Uh, it, it would make it possible you could put a graduate income tax in there, though you could also pass a constitutional amendment on that issue through the General Assembly and then go to the voters. Uh, I've always been a little nervous. I think the 1970 Constitution has worked pretty well. I just think sometimes those of us in power to implement it haven't done a very good job. So I'm not sure I'd want to turn around and let those same people have a new constitutional convention. Uh, I think I would you know, replace those people maybe as opposed to having a constitutional convention and who knows what might be in that constitution. You might have a couple ideas, but other people are going to have other ideas. I mean, the issues on abortion, all kinds of things, gun control, I mean, all kinds of things would come up. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I get nervous about that, I got to tell you. I, I, I finally, after 1970, I kind of understand that Constitution, and to change it again, it would just be baffling to me. But, uh, but you will have that opportunity in, I think, about 10 more years, to whether you want to call a convention or not. But you can amend the Constitution. It's difficult, but you can amend it. Uh, and uh, they did it on... Uh, got rid of accumulative voting, which I think most people now wish we hadn't, mm -hmm. uh, and, and some other things. Uh, we just locked up the, the transportation funding a couple of years ago. Uh, are you hitting oh, on, that's right. Yeah, yeah that yeah, was. Mr. Governor, are you hitting on Quinn again? Huh? Are you hitting on Quinn again? <laughs> <laughs> what are you hitting on Quinn again? No, 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 just, no, no, I, I have a great, I have a great deal of respect. We just, we disagreed on that issue, but we were always the two main arguers, and uh, he, he, I, I, I think he's younger, but I don't think he is younger than I am, so he's, he's about as old as I'm going to be, so, but knowing Pat, he'll be there. Well, let me, uh, before we uh, run out of time here, we've got about maybe 10 minutes left, uh, and I think this kind of moves us to another question that somebody the audience had uh, Jen McMillan if she's available she could step to the microphone I think her question gets to the heart and maybe as we wrap up have you guys weigh in on this uh, on this question as well good evening um, as a candidate for the 101st district one of the issues that I keep running into is a lot of my constituents are tired of the rhetoric how can we turn down the volume and really get to the issues at the heart of changing the state of Illinois why don't we just go down the line here if everybody wants to weigh in on that. And Governor Edgar, you want to start? You know, this is an election year. And <laughs> as you know, everybody in the House is up and a good number of senators are up. And 
governors are up. Uh, I found when I was an office holder, my hearing worked the best in an election year. I mean, I really heard what people were saying, and I also remembered it later on. Uh, you get real busy after the election. So my suggestion to all folks is get on your candidates and tell them you don't want a bunch of rhetoric. You don't want a lot of partisan bickering. You want to get problems solved. And uh, again, I think that's what happened last year. Uh, and I got to tell you, I, I never thought I'd see it. I have always thought any major things in Springfield was going to come from the top, be it the governor or the four leaders. And it really came from the rank and file, and that's because they heard from their constituents. Uh, you look at those 10 Republicans who crossed over and took all kinds of flack to vote for that. M many of them came from university districts, and nobody was hurting more than higher education during that two years, no budget. And, uh, you know, and they weren't liberal. A lot of those are pretty conservative Republicans, but they heard from their constituents, and they knew they had to do something, even if that went against their leaders and their governor. Now that, I just had never seen anything quite like that happen before. And uh, again, that was from people talking to their candidates, representatives. They do listen. Uh, and uh, you've got to speak up. You've got to vote in primaries. That's the other thing that irritates me with a lot of folks. If you look, that's where most people get elected, Republican or Democrat. Those districts are drawn in such a way they're all Republican and they're all Democrat. So if you don't vote in a primary, you really don't have anything to complain about later on because that's where most of our people are elected. And uh, we have a tendency in both our parties that kind of the extremes come out in much higher percentages than the people in the middle. Now, there's some things we could do to change our primary laws. One, I think we ought to have them in decent weather, not in the dead of winter, but that's, that, that, I, I, I wasn't successful in doing that. I tried to do that, and I uh, also wanted open primaries, and I did bring the Republicans and the Democrats. I don't know if you were there by then, but I brought Republicans and Democrats together in opposition to me on that proposal to have open primaries. They didn't, want, they didn't want to take a chance. Uh, but again, I do think you can get that turned around by folks talking to their candidates and talk to them when they're running. Don't wait till they're already elected and it's two weeks before the end of the session. I mean, it, it, you, there's so much things going on in Springfield, nobody can hear anything. Uh, but get to them during the election year and it, it will have an impact. And again, I'll just go back to say, Look, we had a budget last year, and I think a huge part of that was people were fed up and they wanted something done, and it, it worked. Now, they can't just go home and say, well, we've solved the problems. I think if you heard tonight, we still got a lot of problems, but at least we saw a ray of hope, and I think it had a lot to do with people talking to their elected representatives and convincing them they had to, to stop the partisanship and get something done. Professor Bunch. And I think we need to talk to the candidates about what their vision is for Illinois and what their plan is and get into the specifics. Um, nobody wants to raise taxes, but the numbers are so huge that it's probably going to need to be on the table. And then there's a bunch of different options. Should we expand the sales tax base? Should we have a graduated income tax? I almost dare to say it. Should we yeah. tax retirement income? My, my family said, don't say that at AARP. <laughs> but I got the silver hair, guys. I mean, that's on the table. The Civic Federation came out. We have a report that has lots of options that are supporting, including that. 
And, but I think we need to get back to what the senator said, what's fair? If we've got vulnerable people who can't afford higher taxes, we don't want to go after those people. If we have retirees who have investment income and are living quite well, maybe we can step up and pitch in a little more. But I think we need to have those tough discussions. And as the governor said, now's a good time. Brian? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that we need more noise uh, in terms of the campaigns because this is not just partisan fighting for the sake of it. There are deep philosophical disagreements that have come to the, been elevated to the surface in the last few years. I mean, Governor Rauner has a very different vision for how state government should work and how it should compensate its employees than the state has generally had in the past. And the Democrats in the legislature were not uh, willing to go along with that vision, and that's what led to the fight. So, uh, you know, the, the governor campaigned uh, as saying he did not have a specific agenda regarding organized labor. That's it's almost a direct quote. <laughs> and uh, obviously that turned out to not quite be what his agenda was when he got into office. Um, so I think it it's up to all of us, and I, I try every time I see a candidate to pin them down on specifics. Uh, Democratic nominee J.B. Pritzker is supporting a graduated income tax, but he's not saying what the rates would be. Um, and no amount of my asking is going to nudge him. But I think that, you know, the more that people, uh, you know, voters can, can have more of an effect on that. So hold, hold uh, candidates accountable for being specific and not just running on platitudes. Okay. And Senator Trotter. You know, thank you again, Mr. Governor. I think you gave the definitive definition of what democracy is all about, and that's you control what we do. Uh, as an elected official for, for around 30 years, um, it, it is so very important what my community tells me. We come down and we make commitments. Our number one commitment to our community is, is that we're going to be your voice down in those halls of, of the state house. So it's, it's real important that you do that. Uh, I, I think it's, we don't need more rhetoric. I mean, again, it's just the hyperbole, and I'm not gonna say that's what ran me out of Springfield, uh, but, but, but certainly at some juncture, uh, it, it does just become noise. Uh, I, I think we, we all have a, a singular purpose, and that is, again, to make this a, a, a better place for all of us. It's our job to try to enhance the quality of life of not only ourselves, but also of our neighbors, uh, and we can do that by working together. Yeah, I just, I had to go first, something that, she mentioned the word vision, I hate that word. You know, I, I gotta tell you what, uh, when I ran for governor, everybody said, what's your vision? And we talked about things in the campaign, didn't have anything to do with what I had to do as governor. Uh, I had to manage. And I think we need to get back to a little management. Uh, vision's great, but if you don't manage, particularly at the top, and I'm talking about the executive branch, maybe more in the legislative branch, uh, things just don't happen. And uh, so I'll never forget uh, everything I had to do the first four years as governor, we didn't talk about it all in the campaign. It wasn't what the vision was. We had the greatest disaster the state ever faced, the, the flood of 93. We didn't talk about that. The state was broke. Nobody realized quite how bad we were. So we didn't really talk about budget issues. We did talk a little bit about taxes. So again, I think people ought to have a, an idea of what they want to do. But I think also you want to make sure you've got folks in there that not only have a vision, but they understand just the basics to make sure things run. And uh, anyway, and also the other comment about you want more, 
you're a media guy. You love these fights. And things like that. Yeah. You guys are all a stirring. And uh, I'm with senators. We, we, the senator, you know, we need more substance. Need more get, substance. Okay, substance. All right. But I, you know, unfortunately, and I go back to crossfire. That ruined everything. When people started <laughs> shouting on TV, you know, it used to be people disagree in an agreeable manner, and we got away from that. And I think we can disagree, but we need to do it in a much more agreeable manner. And again, that's, I've always said good government's kind of boring. Uh, and so a lot of times the media won't want to cover a good government discussion, they want a fight or a scandal. And that's unfortunate. Now, NPR, I think you do a much better job of talking, and that's why I'm here tonight. Uh, that, that's the way to leave it, too, right there. We are out of time, and I do want to thank everybody for coming out tonight. And thanks again to our panel, if you could give my hand. And a reminder, we will be traveling across the state this year addressing some different topics, not just state finances. And we hope to see some of you there and maybe uh, get some of your questions as well. I'm Sean Crawford with NPR Illinois. Support for the series provided by AARP. Have a good night.